on the move here soon, so don't get used to that. Probably more news to come about that. Michael, thanks so much for jumping on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, a lot happening in the world of Predators hockey. There is, I mean, just absolute... I think Preds fans don't know. I know we we talked about this on the show uh, a couple weeks ago uh, about it felt like the only way to get this team really in the market eye of fans, that they really care about this team right now. Because right after the All-Star break, it felt like uh, this team was just floating dead in the water. No, nobody really cared about it. Nobody, nobody wanted to be a part of it. You started seeing crowds emptying out a little bit. But we talked about if you wanted to get on, move on from Poyle, that was one. Well, check. They did that. Two, start selling out for a real rebuild and get picks and get a future. That's two. And they have done that. And it seems like Preds are as happy as they have been probably in the last four years. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing ever since David Poyle announced he was stepping aside after the draft and that Barry Trotz would take over, I think the biggest thing I've seen from a lot of you know, readers, listeners, people that are fans of the team on social media is they were out. They weren't going to renew their season tickets because they thought it was going to be more of David Poyle running it back again next year. And I've seen a lot of them say that they're invested again. They're excited about the team again. They like the draft picks. They like some of the players. I think they really like that Philip Tomasino and some of the younger guys are getting called to play as well. So I think there's there's a lot of excitement around the team that hasn't been there for the last two or three years. So the Barry Trotz news, when you first heard that, what was your initial reaction to that? Because it seems like it's been overwhelmingly positive uh, in most people's eyes. Were you shocked by this happening? Did, did, you, did you love it immediately? What was your thought? I wasn't shocked. I was, I was a little surprised. My, my first thought was, from a PR standpoint, they had to do it. Barry Trotz is beloved in this city. So many people speak highly of him. He's a great hockey mind. It almost just makes sense that he would succeed David Poyle whenever it was time for for David to retire. But my my initial thought after that was I have a little bit of trepidation of first time GM. Does does it, how is he going to fare in a front office role? I think he'll do fine. David Poyle is setting him up for su- success with all the draft picks and the prospects his team has and what they're able to to use and build in the next couple of years. But I, I was I wasn't too surprised but i was i was a little worried because i'm like okay this this could either go really well or really bad and knowing barry trotz and having talked to him before and worked with him before i think it'll go really well but it's it's going to be a little bit of a of trial and error first time gm like he said he didn't know anything about the salary cap in his introductory press conference so there's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride but as long as predators fans have a little bit of patience i think it'll pay off in the long run that surprised you he didn't know anything about the salary cap <laughs> Kind of. I mean, he was a head coach, so he, he uh, surely he knows like the basics of how the salary cap works and player acquisition and stuff. But I'm sure there's there's a lot more de- details and, and you know, nuances with the salary cap that only general managers would know because they're working with it every day. But it's a good thing he has three really smart, really strong assistant general managers that are going to be helping him out because he said he's going to be leaning on them a lot the first couple of years while he learns the ropes, so to speak. So a host of trades that followed and, and really kind of just went along with all this. Uh, out of all these trades, which has been, one, the most surprising to you, and then, two, honestly, your favorite that you saw that, hey, this is really going to help out the Preds? I think the most surprising was Matias Ekholm. Not from a standpoint of, like, I'm surprised it happened. Uh, more of a standpoint of, like, I'm, I'm surprised the Predators actually pulled the trigger. David Poyle loves Matias Ekholm. He's 
probably one of the two or three, you know, most notable players on the team. People love him. Fans love him. He's really great from a PR standpoint. Like I said, tweet out the other day, I don't have a favorite story about him, but he is just one of the nicest, most down-to-earth guys. He treats everybody the same, regardless whether you win or lose. Like, he's really good for the franchise. I was surprised that they actually traded him. I was a little little underwhelmed with the return. I would have liked to seen another blue-chip prospect, maybe Philip Broberg, come back from, from uh, Edmonton in that trade, but a, a solid you know, Hall, get a first rounder, Tyson Berry, you could possibly flip him. If you hold on to him, he's an offensive defenseman. So he kind of fits in with, with how this team likes to play. And I think that the overall, I don't know how it can't be the Tanner to no trade. Like that was the best trade. And I, I even said this in one of my recent stories around on the post, like this could go down as possibly David Poyle's best move as a predators general manager to take an undrafted free agent, that no one, like 31 other teams could assign this guy. No one really saw the potential. David Poyle signs him. He works his way up the, the ladder in Milwaukee to take someone that was undrafted, flip him for five draft picks, one in each round, rounds one through five. Plus, it also creates some salary cap space because you're probably going to have to pay Jano, what, two, two and a half million dollars next year. You bring back a roster defenseman in Cal Foot. He's only 24. He's a former first round pick. Like, just, I, I don't know how you can look at that trade and find anything to criticize. You know, it's, it's funny you brought you brought something up there that I, I didn't even think I was going to ask you, but it 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 spawned in my brain because you, you, Poyle, you know, it, the biggest thing people wanted out of Poyle was that they they wanted a change, right? They wanted a change, whether and, and really uh, inertly in everyone's thought was move on from Poyle, like that's the change they wanted. Do you think if Poyle had done these sort of moves last season? said look we're going to do this rebuild we're going to do all this and never announced the Barry Trots he's you know we're still under the understanding that Poyle is going to be here for the next however many years do you think people's minds would change differently about Poyle than how they are right now because right now it feels like everybody is just swan songing him out right now and they're all he's going out on top because of all these deals and it feels like he's He's creating a brand new future without him being a part of it, handing it over to Barry Trotz. But if that part wasn't there, if Poyle was still going to be in the office running everything and he made these deals, do you think people would have been as happy with them or or would they have been not as happy? Yeah, I think if he did this last year, and I, and I even said this the other day, like this is the kind of trade deadline that fans wanted from him like two years ago. If he did this last year, there would still be some some fans that are probably you know a little bit ha- unhappy with him and want him to to be fired, retire, whatever you want to call it, be moved out of the front office. But he definitely would have bought himself some more time. And and he even said at his at his press conference, he said maybe this this is a year too late. He was like, but I'm 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 le- making sure I'm leaving Barry Trotz. I'm setting him up for success with all the draft picks, with the prospects, the way the roster is with the young players and stuff like that. I and. and I mean, at the, at the press conference, David Poyle even said it was, or Sean Henry, excuse me, said, going back to the draft last year, that David Poyle said this was going to be his last year. So he knew this was coming. Maybe this is why we didn't see him do these moves last year, because he knew that he had one more year and he was out. So maybe he wanted to keep this team intact, add Nino Niederreiter, add a couple of pieces like Ryan McDonough, and see if they surprise him and make a run. We saw that that didn't happen. Now you're you got 20-something games left, and I think now you're seeing all these trades because he's trying his best to make sure Barry Trotz is set up for success. I think a lot of Preds fans would have been all right if he kept Ellie around here, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that, that move off. is going to bite him so bad. 
are talking with Michael Gallagher. You can follow him on Twitter at MG Sports underscore. So earlier today, the news came out uh, for tonight's contest that UC Soros not in goal. A lot of Preds fans, I mean, immediately put on their tinfoil hats and I think a lot of people, I know I personally did, started poking the poking the beehive a little bit just because it, it was such low-hanging fruit to be like, oh, well, UC Soros is definitely going to be traded now. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it is conspicuous timing. Yeah, I kind of did the same thing. I think I uh, I quote tweeted it with the, the I emoji, and I was like, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Lincoln is starting tonight, but John Hines just basically just said, hey, Lincoln and starting. There was no trade-related reasons added on to the end of it. And I think Saros has started five games in a row. It's just it's a normal night of, of getting rest. But the timing of it, man, I, I, I don't think they could have picked a worse time to, to have Saros sit and start Lincoln with everything going on because there is this overwhelming consensus. UC Saros is this most va- the most valuable asset to this team. If they do trade him, they're gonna, it's going to be the kind of trade that's going to bring back a haul that will jumpstart a rebuild. I don't think they do trade him, at least not now. I think it could be an offseason move potentially. I, I think they're going to hold on to him for the rest of this year. But I mean, hey, if you if you trade UC Saros now, you bring back you know two or three blue chip prospects, a couple first round picks, and Kevin Lincoln in starts. You're probably not going to win a lot of games this year. I'm not saying you're going to get the first pick and get Connor Bedard, but you're you're going to get pretty close to it. So there's worse things in the world than than doing that. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't think Saros gets traded. I think the team is going to ride with him for the end of the year, and then maybe in the offseason they'll revisit that. I know Preds fans don't want it. You know, they 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 still have it's it's you know it's he touched he touched the hem of 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 Pecorine, right, and that's just rubbed off on him, and now it's UC and and so I know Preds fans would really hurt because I'm just watching the replies of it. But if you're gonna rebuild, you might as well rebuild. You know, like what's what's the benefit of keeping him if like what you're saying, you can bring back such a haul. Uh, do you think that Hall is actually viable that they would get that? Because we, I talk about this all the time with GMs. Every player has a price. Every player is. It doesn't matter what the sport is, what the player is. Every, everybody has a price because this is a business at the end of the day. So nobody's off the table. And a GM is not doing his job properly that if he is keeping one away because of what he may be able to get for the future of it. And right now the Preds are showing the signs that they want to do a full rebuild why not get that extra piece just to try to create something new going forward? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, Wayne Gretzky, the greatest player in the history of of the world, was traded. So, I mean, no one is truly untouchable. Everybody has a price. If if someone comes to David Poyle and he and David Poyle goes out in the media and says, "I am absolutely not trading UC Saros," a team calls you up and says, "I'll give you three first round picks plus my two best prospects," you're going to at least consider that. So. I, from what I've been hearing, the haul that Saros would get back would be minimum of two first-round picks, probably another second or a third-round pick in there, and then two to three blue-chip prospects. There's only a handful of teams out there that have a pipeline deep enough to give them the kind of prospects they would be looking for. I do think if Saros gets traded, you're probably looking at two first-round picks, maybe a second or a third, and then like a fourth in the following draft, and then probably two top prospects. I, I don't know who's going to be willing to give up that many players. I mean, certainly you look at Buffalo. I think right now they're three points out of the playoffs somewhere in there. If they convince themselves they're one goalie away from making a serious run, it makes sense to do that trade because they have a loaded farm system. They have the forwards and they have some defensemen that would interest Nashville. They would part with the first round picks because they have such a loaded uh, pipeline. And you look at it like they're set up right now to where SARS is 27. He's under contract, I believe, for two more years. 
this is the kind of trade that for Buffalo, it's not just a rental. It sets them up to make multiple playoff runs over the next couple of years. And if you're the Predators, you would get back the kind of prospects that you're not good enough to draft because you're not picking in the top five of the draft every year. What's the benefit for the rest of the season? I mean, the way that they have kind of set themselves up with really looking on past five years from now, they're not looking at five weeks from now. What do you think for this Predators team as an actual on ice product for the rest of this season. What do you expect to see from this group of guys? Because it does feel like there's a little bit more of a benefit to lose, obviously. But uh, do do you think you're going to see a a better product? Because they have been playing a little bit better uh, since all this has kind of changed. I don't know if it created maybe a little life in them uh, or what, but the team has been playing a little bit better than what we had seen so far through the season. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the results will be better. Obviously, trading off Matias Ekholm and Tanner Janot and Nino Niederreiter and Granlin, even though Granlin was having a down year, trading off players of that caliber, you're, you're not going to be as good on the ice. And I think it's understood. The players in the locker room understand that. I think best-case scenario is the Pittsburgh game from the other night. I think that's best-case scenario. You keep it close. It's entertaining for two and a half periods, and then Pittsburgh finally pulls away and gets the win. I think that's the best-case scenario for the Predators and for the fan base is to have entertaining games, to have young players like Luke Evangelista and Tommy Novak and Phil Tomasino to get to see them in NHL action. The games are entertaining, so fans aren't tuning out after the first period because they're down four goals. And you're, you're still losing games because, and I know as a fan, there's two camps there. You never root for your team to lose, or it's acceptable in this case because the more you lose, the higher your draft pick is. I think it's okay in this case to root for the Predators to lose because, like you said, the Band-Aid's already off. They're going rebuild. You expect to lose games. So if you go on a 10-game losing streak, you maybe go from having the 10th pick to being slotted where the 3 or the 4 pick is. And when with the NHL draft lottery, being at 3 or 4, we've seen a lot of teams that somehow come out of there projected to be the 3rd or the 4th pick come out with the top pick. And in this draft, if you could if you could land somehow land Connor Bedard out of this draft, with the draft capital you have and the number 10 farm system that you have, like this team would be set up for the next decade. Preds are back. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm hearing. There's a real world. <laughs> Get Preds back. Michael Gallagher has been our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at MG Sports underscore. Michael, thanks so much for jumping on with us, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Good stuff there from Michael. We're going to get him on a whole lot more.